Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. There might be the next Apostle Paul in the house today, and maybe this is Ananias come today to speak a word that's going to ignite the ministry that God has positioned you. I don't know. I'm just kind of speaking what I feel in my spirit today, that God is about to do something great. Amen? Brother Winslow, we want you to come. Praise the Lord. Will you give Jesus a great hand clap of praise? Come on, why don't you give him everything you got? Ain't nobody like Jesus. Come on, I said, ain't nobody like Jesus. I can search the whole world. I'll never find anybody like him. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, after a vision like that, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on a man. Amen. So good to be here. Amen. I feel in my spirit when we connected, uh, we, it just felt right. And uh, I've never been to Maryland. We're enjoying it. Uh, never been of this part of uh, what we call the neck of the woods. Um, but we have had a great time. Uh, we came in on Friday night uh, without the kids. If you're not a parent, you did not get that at all. <laughs> Amen. Um, we don't travel often without our kids. Uh, we're just kind of real tight like that. Um, and, uh, but it was a good thing. And uh, we came in Friday night and uh, met with your pastor and his good wife on Saturday. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, I was a bit intimidated you know, the Jason Staten, hallelujah. And um, I'll, I'll confess a little bit, I wasn't sure this was real, hallelujah. And I said, uh, surely not. And uh, when he got out of the truck and they walked over, I said, okay, God, this is, this is really happening. Amen. Um, your pastor and his wife, their reputation precedes them. I mean, it's just amazing couple. And I've heard of this family for a long time. You're blessed. Amen. Very blessed. You know, a preacher can come in and preach to you, and God can do great things, but nobody will ever love you. Nobody will ever take care of your family, and, and you know, we'll be out of here shortly, but this family will, will stay up nights praying for you. If you love your pastor and his family, his wife, one more time, would you just show them how much you appreciate them? I tell you what, we, we have been treated so good, better than we deserve. And uh, the hospitality has been amazing. Uh, didn't tell your pastor this, but we, we got to the hotel, and uh, the lady said before she took us to the room, she said, oh, wait, we've got something for you. And um, she comes out with this basket that had to be from, like, some magazine. I mean, it was just... <laughs> 
And I have to confess, and you'll have to forgive me, I, I sinned a little bit. <laughs> I was a little more proud of that basket than I probably should have been. We walked through that hotel room, and I, I had a little more pride than I should have walking through there. Felt like I was some dignitary flew in, and I walked around to smile a little bit too big, <laughs> hoping somebody would see me walking with that basket. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. I repented, and I trust the Scripture's true. The Lord forgave me. Amen. But you guys have been so good. Thank you to the staff that... Uh, reached out to us and took care of us. I don't know who you are by face, but thank you so much. This church has been amazing. I reached over to my wife and I told her, I said, boy, this is a friendly church. Before your pastor got up and mentioned things about that. And I want you to know, we've been at many churches and most of them are absolutely phenomenal churches. But I'm just going to say this and, and you'll just have to trust my word. You, you are a five-star church. I mean it. You are an amazing church. Amazing church. Amen. Just kind of wish y'all weren't so far away from us. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. If you have your Bibles, <clears throat> turn with me to Numbers 23 and 19. Amen. I'm so glad to have my wife traveling with me. Amen. She, uh, she was a little bit more excited to not have the children with us. Amen. She said, did they mention that the kids have to come? <laughs> I'm going to get spiritual in a minute, I promise. Amen. But, uh, well, I don't want to tell her. I got to live with her. Hallelujah. But whoever is the, the one that sent the survey, I don't know if you caught on there about the children. I think she put ha or something like that on there on the survey. Amen. But uh, we've been blessed. You guys have been so good to us, and I tell you what, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Brother Staten, Sister Staten. Thank you so much for your love and hospitality. I don't know what God has in store. And for the past several weeks, just asking God, what is your, what is your purpose? Uh, we get calls all the time to, to come preach. And typically how it goes is not how this one goes. That is the first for me. I've had people say, I, I saw someone mention you preached for them. I've had people call and say, uh, I've heard of you from a neighboring revival. I, you know, I saw you preach here. Or I know your dad or I know something. My father's a minister as well. Um, but when your pastor contacted us and shared with us that vision, that dream, um, you know, you're going to find out pretty quickly that's not unnormal for me. Uh, the supernatural is a very real and very tangible thing. And if you call yourself an apostolic, it ought to be very real and very tangible for you too. Because God's a God of the supernatural. And uh, we prayed and I said, Lord, what is your purpose? What are you doing? And like the Lord always does with me, I don't know how he does it with you. But he's sometimes just very simple to me. He said, you're going to preach. It's not fair. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, I understand that. He said, you get behind that pulpit and you preach. And I'll take care of what I'm supposed to do with the other things. I don't know what the other things are. But I understand one thing. Anything can happen when God's in the house. 
And if you've walked into this place discouraged, if you've walked in this place wounded, if you need a healing in your body, I come to tell you God is in this house and anything can happen. I said anything can happen. I tell you right now, God's going to heal somebody in your physical body. There's a miracle going to take place today. But if you want God to do something, you're going to have to reach out in faith and believe that God can do anything. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together. Amen. Numbers 23 and 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 24 and 14. Ezekiel 24 and 14 says, I, the Lord, have spoken it. It shall come to pass. Turn to someone next to you and say, if God said it, watch out. It's coming quick. You're going to have to do it like an apostolic now. Turn to somebody and say, if God said it, it's coming, and it's coming fast. Now, before I finish my verse and get to where I need to be, I want to just let you off the hook. I'm apostolic to the core, which simply means you ain't got to act dignified because I'm here. I need some folks that are going to preach with me today. In the midst of a pandemic, we still apostolic. In the midst of sickness and disease, we're still apostolic. In the midst of struggles and pains, God is still on the throne. And just because I'm visiting doesn't mean that God ain't going to show up and show out and do something in this place. Hallelujah. So if you let me be comfortable, I'll let you be comfortable. And if you let me preach like I'm at home, I'll let you shout and worship like you're at home. Amen. He said, the Lord hath spoken it. It shall come to pass, and I will do it. I will not back down. I don't care what the devil's told you. You got a God that said, I ain't never going to back down. I don't care how bad it looks. He ain't backing down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Neither will I spare, neither will I repent. According to thy ways and according to thy doings shall they judge thee, saith the Lord God. So I just simply want to talk to us. Well, I probably shouldn't say that. I say that all the time. My wife says, baby, you don't ever talk to nobody. Hallelujah. We're going to preach. Hallelujah. Amen. But I've got something the Lord gave me in my spirit. I want to give it to you. I believe it's for somebody who will reach out and receive it. I simply want to preach this. He is still the God of your faith. 
Come on, turn to somebody and say, in spite of what you've been through, in spite of the hell you fought, he is still the God of your faith. My God, somebody go ahead and turn loose a little bit. Come on, somebody go ahead and turn loose just a little bit. We've been through so much this past couple of months. It's time for somebody to be encouraged and to understand he is still the God of my faith. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. I believe that throughout our lives, the most uh, uh, area of our life that we are attacked in is going to be in the avenue of our faith. I remember many times people would come to us, Pastor, and they would say things to us like this, uh, the devil is attacking my car. You know, the devil is attacking uh, this or that or my finances. And, and we used to get real bold in the Holy Ghost and, and pray that God would, would deliver your car and deliver your house and all these things. And I'm not saying that those things don't happen. But the truth is, is that the enemy, the devil, is not really after your car. He really doesn't care if your car is good or bad. or He really doesn't care if, you're, if your car is a Mercedes bins or you know you may turn that that key over and it may not start right away but the devil doesn't really care about your car there is only one thing that he cares about he doesn't care whether you're sick or you're healthy come on he doesn't care where you got money in the bank or you don't have money in the bank he doesn't really care whether or not you have a great job or you don't have a great job the focus of the enemy is to destroy and kill you your faith. That's why sometimes it is hard to come into a church and to lift up your hands and worship God whenever you're struggling and you're going through things and, and the battle is strong and, and you're wondering where the next check's coming and you're wondering when, when your health is going to turn the corner and you're wondering and, and the pastor and the music and everybody gets up and says, it's time to worship, it's time to praise God, but you don't feel like worshiping God. Can I tell you why you don't feel feel like worshiping God because the enemy is trying to destroy your faith in what God can do in the midst of some worship and some praise. Oh. He knows if you ever turn loose of your faith and worship God in spite of how you feel. He knows if you ever get loose and turn loose and worship God in spite of what you're going through, the devil knows miracles are on their way. So he will attack and he will fight. But I come to tell somebody, in spite of everything you've been through, you got a God that's never changed. He is no different today than he was yesterday. 
I said if he healed once, he'll heal again. If he delivered once, he'll deliver again. That's why Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me give you the GRW translation. They got the New Living Translation. This is the Gordon Ray Winslow Translation. Are you ready? When he said yesterday, he was talking about the book of Acts. Because some of us, we think about, well, it's the book of Acts kind of church. and They do miracles there, but we don't see that here. Hogwash. The Bible said he's the same back then as he is in 2021. That means if God ever healed a blind eye, guess what? God is getting ready to open blind eyes today. Turn to somebody and say, you've come too late to tell me God don't heal. I don't know about you, but, but every time I feel discouraged, I like to turn to the book of Job. No, you didn't hear me. See, some of y'all got to learn how to fight. You don't know how to fight back. I know how to fight back. When the devil tries to discourage me, I like to read the book of Job. Because I don't know about you, but ain't nobody had it like Brother Job. When I read Brother Job's story, I feel good about my calamity. The Bible says that Job was a righteous man. If you don't believe that, that's, that's straight from the mouth of God. And, 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 I, and he said he's a righteous man. He's a good man. Ain't nobody like him. In all the world. The Bible says that the devil went to heaven and said, I want to mess with somebody. He said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, no, I haven't. He said, oh, he's perfect. He's wonderful. Sings on key. <laughs> Pastor says something about me singing. Yeah, I'll sing when it's time to clear the house. <laughs> Hallelujah. My wife sings, and she's starting to get into teaching. I said, baby, you're crossing over. Stay in your lane. Because if you start preaching better than me, I got no job. <laughs> Only thing keeping us in ministry is your singing and my preaching. You take mine over, what am I going to do? <laughs> but the Bible says that Job... He, he was a blessed man. Now, you better hear me. I'm going to preach to you now. Because the Lord told me, if you'll preach the word, I've got two things I'm going to prophetically say to this church. And, and one of them I'm looking for. I don't see her yet. But the Lord has spoken two things for this church, and we're going to get there. But I want you to hear what the word says. The Bible says in Psalms 107 and 20, says that he sent forth the word, and he healed them, and he delivered them out of their destruction. 
So it ain't Brother Winslow that's going to do anything for you. It ain't Pastor Staten's going to do anything for you. It ain't your neighbor. It ain't no politician. It ain't no governor. It ain't your neighbor, your, your teacher. The Bible said it is the Word of God that when it goes that when it goes forth, it will pull you out of your destruction. That's why it don't matter if it's your favorite preacher or not. When the word of God goes forth, grab a hold of it and say amen. Come on, give me a better amen. You know, an amen is be it so unto me as you just said. That's what amen is. We don't, we don't want you just to amen because we bored. When you amen something that the man of God preaches, what you are doing is you are stamping an approval for God to do to you what that man of God just said. When he says there's healings in the house and you're sick in your body, you need to open your mouth and say amen. Be it unto me as he said. I don't know about you, but I believe God can do anything. Be seated. I like you standing, but be seated. And so the Bible tells us that Job, the enemy went down, the devil went down and began to mess with him. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever thought about how many cattle and how many things he had and, and all the, 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 the different uh, wealthiness and the riches and everything he had? And, and one day he's walking and, and everything's going great. Have you ever been there before where you're walking and everything's going great and you think, man, this is really good. I don't know how I, I got so much goodness going on and then that phone call comes and everything takes a turn in your life and you find yourself in a position and a place and you wonder God how did I get here can I get an amen and Job wakes up one morning and all hell has broken loose And his faith is under attack. And one of the things the Lord spoke to me and said to this church is I am getting ready to bring a renewal and a deliverance in your faith. He said, I want you to tell the people that faith has been under attack and I'm getting ready to move in. And I'm getting ready to bring back some faith into some people that have lost their faith. Come on, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I don't know if it's you or not. But if it is, you ought to get your hands in the air and declare right now that everything the devil has stole from me, I'm getting it back this year. Come on, somebody grab a hold of that word. And 
So Job, he's everything's going great, you know. He's everything's fine, and 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 everything looks great and looks good, and 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 man, everything's right in his world, and everything looks like you know. I'm gonna tell you something. There's a reason it used to puzzle me. It used to puzzle me, Pastor, why God would choose the most perfect, righteous man in the world. Why don't you pick the guy that doesn't tithe? Getting off that, Hallelujah. I want to come back. Why don't you mess with that guy that leaves his trash can out all week? I don't know how it is here, but if you leave it out one day in Dallas, where we're from, you get a picture of your trash can in a letter sent to you with a countdown to your death. Not far from it, she said. She keeps me honest. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes I get busy, and my trash can goes stay out a little bit. But why couldn't, why couldn't God say, I tell you what, there's that, there's that person that, that sings off key. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I'm gonna... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, that cousin that shows up just when you get paid. <laughs> See, y'all, th- y'all think it's just a Maryland thing. <laughs> it's... It's an everybody thing. Don't know nobody, don't hear nobody, but you get, you get a bonus and everybody, hey. Remember me in high school? Why not that guy? And it used to puzzle me when I, I would get frustrated because I thought, why, why in the world would you take the most righteous man and the most perfect man? And years ago, the Lord told me, because it is an example unto you that if I took the most perfect man and you are not, and I delivered him out of all destruction, then what will I do for you? No, you didn't hear me. I said if he took the most righteous man and the most perfect man, and he said, I'll give you more than you had in the beginning, what will what will he do for you and me? Hallelujah. And so Job, I mean, he loses everything. Everything falls apart. Everything comes to pieces. Everything looks like it's not going to go right. He loses his family. He loses his seven sons and his three daughters. And and he loses buildings and properties and land and cattle. And loses everything. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. You ever been there when you thought it couldn't get any worse? Listen to me. I'm preaching to somebody right now. It doesn't matter if things have gotten worse since a prophetic word has been presented to you. God is still the God of your faith. And if he promised you something, it's going to come to pass. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how bad it looks. He will do what he said he'll do. No, you're not hearing me. I said he will do what he said he'll do. I'm trying to be calm, but y'all are real easy to preach to. <laughs> Praise God. 
And so there's this verse, you may be seated, that the Holy Ghost shared with me last year. Because like you, the world turned upside down in March. We're still trying to write it. <laughs> and, uh, man, just all kinds of crazy stuff happened. If you don't know, you're living under a rock, I guess. And uh, everything fell apart and everything went crazy and kooky. And uh, the Lord prompted me to Job. And I began to read the book of Job and I began to look for it because I like to read the word of God on my own, but I like when God prompts me to things. It means a little something special going to happen. And so the Lord prompted me to Job and I began to read the book of Job. Are you still with me? And um, as I began to read the book of Job, I began to read all the calamity and all the things that happened to Job. And I, like always, thought, my goodness, I mean, how can anybody show up at church next Sunday after dealing with all that? How can anybody uh, open their mouth? The Bible says that in, in it all, Job sinned not against God. And I thought, my Lord, you know, that'd be pretty challenging to lose it all. I know how much I love my boys and my daughter and my wife and, and my 2000 RAV4, hallelujah, and uh, praise God, and, and, and I, I love my stuff, and you know, and, and my house, and, I, and, and to wake up and it's all gone, it, it'd be pretty challenging to hear the pastor get up and say, my God, I wish somebody was shouting here. I've been there, come on now, preachers, I've been there before too. I've been there when my pastor would preach and he would say things and I thought, man, if you only knew what kind of hell I'm going through, you wouldn't look at me and try to tell me to shout and clap a little bit. How dare you living in the high clouds of, of glory all the time. And us, us commoners down here, you know, we, 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 we fighting devils and we're fighting hell. We're fighting all kinds of stuff. And, and how, how can you tell me that I need to trust in the word of God? You, you don't see the kind of hell that's breaking loose in my children. You don't know the doctor reports that are coming against my son and what they've told him would happen and, and what's going on in my health and this and that. You, if you only understood what I'm dealing with, then you wouldn't be talking like this. But the Holy Ghost showed something to me. And it's a prophetic word to you today. It's found in Job. And as I began to read the word of the Lord, I got down to verse 16 in Job 42. And I want you to see this because something very powerful happens here in verse 16 in chapter 42. You see, we are always want to talk about the calamity and the issues that happened to Job. But if you're not careful in the midst of your struggle, you'll miss out on the victory that's on its way. Just like when the man of God went to sacrifice his son, when he was heading up that mountain, you better believe this preacher that on the other side, that ram was making his way up as well. No, see, some of us think that God magically made that ram appear. No, 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 no. God moves in the realm of the natural. That's why giving moves into the supernatural. But you can't put fake money in the offering and think something supernatural is going to happen. God's a supernatural God, but he moves in the natural. Oh, I feel like preaching now. 
And so when that man of God was going up the mountain saying, I trust you even if I slay him, I've got enough faith to believe you're going to bring him back from the dead. God the whole time was watching him and he was watching the ram. And as he went up this side of the mountain, you better believe God said, okay, mm, yeah, you right there. Come on, come on. Let's go. Head up that mountain. Don't ask me why. Get up there. And that ram began to walk up not knowing what in the world's going on here. And as he's going up this side, the man of God's going up here. What that means is the man of God didn't see the ram, but it didn't mean the ram wasn't coming. Oh, you better hear me. Just because he didn't see it doesn't mean God. Yeah. And some of you are wondering where it's coming. Oh, you better believe that God is moving the miracle to you. We got to get out of this. Am I okay with time? I ain't got to be home till tomorrow night, so we're good. My flight's at 10, 30, 12 something tomorrow. So we good. I got till midnight. <laughs> but we got we got to get out of this mentality that. And I know. Listen, I know that 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 uh, we we can say well well you know uh, when when Jesus had his wound and he said you know Thomas put your finger in there and I know the Bible never cursed him. I know that never cursed him. He just he just said blessed is those who haven't seen, but he never curse Thomas and I know some people can say well that's my excuse for waiting to see it but don't you misuse that verse don't look at that and say well doubting Thomas didn't he didn't believe until he saw it and Jesus was okay with that you know no no let me tell you my friend if you don't get in a place in the spirit and in faith that says that even though I cannot see it yet my God is so Come on, I'm going to reintroduce you to Jesus. Your God is so good that it doesn't matter what you cannot see. It's coming. It's coming. I said it's coming because he is still the God of my faith. Hallelujah. I, you know, I wasn't going to preach very long on Job, but I just, I'm stuck right there. That's why in, in Malachi 3 and 6... My two favorite verses is Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That gives me hope, folks. That means you may change, but my God ain't going to change. You may not like me after this service, but my God loves me. And that will never change. He may not ask me back. I don't know. <laughs> but my God still loves me. You, you may not like the person next to you after church. I don't know. You, you, you may get in a fight with your husband or wife on the way home and not talk for two days. I don't know. But I tell you what, the Bible says that Jesus Christ never changes. That means if the economy is good or bad, God's still the same. That means if your health is good or bad, God is still the same. That means in college, in high school, and your school grades, if things turn upside down, you have a God that you can hold on to that does not change. Let your friends change on you. You got a God that don't change. Let your spouse change on you. You got a God that don't change. Are you hearing me? You serve a God that does not change. I 
I'm going to be real honest right now. I am so sick and tired of hearing preachers talking about, well, maybe God will hear or not. It's up to him. It is not up to God. I lost 90% of you right there. They're all looking at you, pastors. That's theologically correct. Pastor's Googling it. You got to watch that Google, pastor. It's not up to God whether you're healed. Oh, I know. I'm going to have to break it open here. You say, well, yes, it is. Well, that's probably why you're still sick. That's probably why your blessing is still, and you're watching people shout while the money flows in. <laughs> and you're frustrated and mad because you're like, well, my God, why are they getting blessed? Because you're still waiting. Did you know that God is a God of you do, I do? You do, I do? <laughs> no, see, y'all didn't get that, did you? Because you think he's a God to sit back and I'll just wait on you <laughs> and serve you. God's a God of you do, I do. He said, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw them in. In other words, did you get that? It starts with you lifting me up, then I'll do. Another verse says, if you draw nigh unto me, then I'll draw nigh unto you. Didn't say I'll draw nigh unto you and then you. No, that's not how God works. He's a God that responds to your response. That's why when you walk in here, if you're the poorest person, you ought to shout the most. That's why if you're sick in your body, you ought to shout the most. Why? Because I understand that he responds to me when I respond to him. You ought to tell somebody I'm broke as a joke. Move out of my way. I'm about to shout in here. You be seated. Pastor said y'all usually get out at two. Lord smacked me. Hallelujah. I remember in a revival service my dad was talking about one time. Great man of faith. And uh, much better preacher than me. I have to tell that it's in the contract. And, um, and uh, you know, he, he told me one time, he said, son, when I first got saved, he was wild. Y'all think you wild. Y'all still haven't impressed me yet. Y'all need to get wild. <laughs> I don't want to start nothing. Hallelujah. And uh, he told me, he said, I remember when I first got saved, he said, I, I wanted so much of God. He said, uh, Holy Ghost would move over here. And he said, I'd run over there and get in the middle of it, raise my hands, and the power of God would hit, and then I'd see it fall over here. And he said, I'd run over there, jump in the middle, and raise my hands. I mean, he'd only been saved like a day. I love new converts, man. They'll put us to shame sometimes. Because, you know, sometimes we get so polished. I'm not saying perfect, but sometimes we know how to polish over that jagged rock and uh, he said I just wanted to be where God was and God honored that he didn't have all the theological things fixed and you may not either but I'm going to tell you what I thank God that he's a God that moves in the realm of faith he's a God that responds to faith his word says that without faith it is impossible not that you can find another way around 
Not that you can discover a way under it and through it. You can't find a preacher good enough or somebody good enough to get it for you. He said he responds to faith. That's why the enemy's after your faith. Jesus said, Peter, I have prayed for you. That your, what? Faith would not fail thee. Why would Jesus say, I'm praying for your faith? There's no indication in Scripture that faith was under attack. Why would he say, I'm going to pray for your faith? Because the Bible declares that, G- that the devil said, I'm going to sift you as wheat. And that word sift means a slight agitation of your inward faith. So when he told Peter, the devil is after you that he may sift you as wheat or he may agitate you, agitate your faith. Because you cannot stop God from doing something. You can't. You can't stop God from healing. You can't stop God from saving. You can't stop God from giving a revival. But if the enemy Because he can't change God. Because Malachi 3 and 6, my other favorite verse. He says, I am the Lord God. I change not. And the devil knows it. So if he can't change God, who does he come after? You see, he's already tried to mess with God, and the Old Testament tells us that God kicked him. Don't don't believe that junk that says there was a battle in heaven. I don't know what's preached around here. You can correct anything and everything I say. But listen, don't get caught up into Hollywood. There was this great battle, and God and devil, they fought for many days. It's like my little son coming up to me and there there was a great challenge between Brother Winslow and his young son. I will crush him like a bug. Are you hearing me? And make another one look close to him. We don't play games in the Winslow's house. I will end your life now. And I've got the power to make more. (laughs) That's how we roll. I I know. (laughs) Praise God. Sister Winslow said, Brother Winslow, cut it short. Here we go. I don't play games. But we, we, we think that there's this great battle. Listen, the opposite of God is not the devil. We think that, right? We think the opposite of God is the devil. No. The devil is a created angel under God. He's not comparable. You're not getting it. The opposite of God is himself. (laughs) There is no comparison. He said, I look to the left 
and I see no God. I look to my right and I see no God. I know there is no one but me. I've come to encourage somebody, get your mind off how big that devil is and get your mind on how big your God is. There is no comparison to your God. If he said it, he'll do it. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. I had three weeks to prepare. I'm trying. Watch this. Verse 42 and 16. Do we have that? I want you to put that up there if you can. Job 42 and 16. Watch this. So the calamity comes against him. <laughs> and the Lord said, I want you to stop right there. And I want you to read that verse. After this. Some of y'all already got it. After this lived Job 140 years. Now hold on. Most Jewish books declare that Job was around 70 years old during this calamity that happened. Some of y'all getting it together. <laughs> So he's 70 years old, according to traditions, when this happens, when all hell breaks loose. But verse 16 says, after this, lived Job 140 years. Now, I'm not real good at math, but I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I think I might be right. Isn't that double? What God was saying is if you got faith to hold on to me when nothing makes sense, there is an after this that is on its way. Come on, I've come to prophetically tell this church, you're about to enter a season of after this. You're you're about to enter a season that the devil's fought you, but God said, watch me. After this, I'm about to pour out a double anointing, a double blessing, a double miracle. It's on its way. Some of you need to look the devil in the eye and say, sucker, you've been pushing me around, but after this, You need to look at the devil when he messes with your marriage and say, I got you. I got you. You're messing with me. You're trying to pull us apart. But I come to tell you, devil, watch what happens after this. Come on, you might have been through some struggles, but get ready for after this. Get ready for after this. When the devil comes to you and tells you your miracle will never come, after this, devil, after this, double portion, double portion. Stand to your feet.
You see, the devil wants you to always think about what's happening now. He wants you to look at what's wrong. There's a miracle for you, ma'am, right there in the black covering. Holy Ghost is on you. There's a miracle for her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look up here for just a moment. Just recently, Pastor, probably last week or so, the Lord showed me something. I, I, you know, you, you know things, but sometimes you don't see things. You know what I mean? Like, that's why the Word of God is so wonderful. You can read a passage of Scripture one day, and it, it, it doesn't mean a lot, really, you know? And you're just like, okay. And then you can read it at a different season, and all of a sudden, truth just, poof, so deep, isn't it? And, and, and the Lord showed me something just this past week, and I was praying and studying on faith, and my favorite subject's faith. I love it. And, and the Lord said, what's the opposite of faith? And naturally, I want to say doubt. It's not. It's not. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. The opposite of faith is sight. That's the natural is sight. Faith is the supernatural. They will never be one. Never. You may do something in the natural, but it will always have to push you to the supernatural. If you give in an offering, but you don't have faith that God is faithful to his word, you're just putting money in a plate. It's just sight. But when you put your faith with it, and the opposite of faith is sight. And that's why he said, you walk by faith, not doubt. He didn't say that. Because sight is powerful. Everything we do is natural with sight. The doctor report, and sight can be hearing, it can be taste, it can be your, your feelings, it, it's the natural. That's the opposite of it. And you can hold a doctor's report in your hand. And you can see that you've got God's word. And you've got a doctor's report. And the Bible says, whose report are you going to believe? Because if you think that you're going to walk this life and never be challenged at the crossroads of faith and sight, you're either lying or you ain't lived long enough. Because you will be challenged at the crossroads of faith and sight. You'll have to turn away from the doctor's report and have faith that God is who he says he is. That's why in Malachi 3 and 6, it's at the very end before there's that gap when God never spoke again to his people. And every last word that is given 
is always the most important words. When we left to come here, my wife gave her mother a list of things to do because she's a mama. And she wants the last thing she says when she leaves those babies to be heard because they're the most important. She didn't tell her about the yard, the trash cans. No, no this, this is what needs to happen with Gray and Gavin and Kate. This is why, because I want you to remember these words. And right before God, if you've never read Malachi, it's, it's the last book in the Old Testament. And the next book is Matthew. And there's this span of hundreds of years when God does not speak to his people. And it was like God was saying, I am, without telling them, I am about to exit the scene. You're not going to hear my voice. You're not going to know where I am. You're going to look for me. You're not going to be able to find me. You're going to pray and you're not going to get the goosebumps. You're going to shout and you're not going to see a change tomorrow morning. Something's going to... And God was saying, I want you to listen to what I'm telling you in Malachi 3 and 6. I want you to hold this. that I am the Lord God and I do not change. What he was trying to say is in those hundreds of years, generation after generation, when you don't know where I am, I want you to remember, I don't change. When you think, God, how come you're not talking to me? I want you to remember, I don't change. When the doctor report comes and you say, God, why, why is this happening? I want you to remember I don't change. When you say, God, I don't understand why the enemy's attacking my marriage. I want you to remember I am God and I do not change. When you say, God, where are you? I want you to remember that I do not change. Musicians, please, if you wouldn't play, I want to read this to you in closing. In 1988, an 8.2 earthquake almost flattened Armenia, killing over 30,000 people in less than four minutes. In the midst of this, I want to share you with you the love and the heart of one father. In the midst of chaos and destruction, he rushed to his son's school. But instead of a school, he found a shapeless heap of rubble. It happened in 1988 in the earthquake. Imagine what went through his mind. What would have gone through your mind? If you walked up to the school where your son was supposed to be, and there is no building, it's rubble, it's a pile of mess, no form standing. Perhaps shock would have crippled you as you and other parents were walking around dazed, clutching their hearts and calling out their child's name. But in the case of this father, the sight of the rubble and ruin only made him spring into action. He ran to the back corner of the building where his son's classroom used to be and he began to dig. Why? What real hope did he have to find his son in the midst of this rubble? He ran to that corner where his classroom was and began to dig. He, he digged and he dug and he, 
He wondered what chance would I find, but I've got to find something in here. All he knew is that he made a promise to his son. Over and over, he told his son, I want you to know something. Daddy's always going to be here for you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be there for you. The story goes that with that passion in his soul, when everything looked like it was a loss and people would come up to him and say, man, stop digging. There's no hope, man. You, can't you see what it looks like? There's, there's no way you're, you're ever going to find him in this rubble. I mean, you got to come to grips with reality. He's gone. But yet in his soul, he said, no, I made a promise. I made a promise. The police came up to him. And they told him, you're, you're outraged, you're, you're, you're distraught, you're angry, but it's over. Go home. But this father, true story, this father had made a promise and he was going to keep it. So he began with that heart for his son and his promise. The story goes that he began to dig for eight hours. Then 12 hours, that turned into 24 hours by himself throwing chunks of rock and rubble. And 24 hours turned into 30 hours nonstop. This father, weak, bleeding, sore, tired, kept digging because he had a promise that he told his son, I'm not going to leave you. 32 hours then 36 hours, then it turned into 38 hours. No stopping. Fatigued, bleeding. He pulled back a boulder, and when he did, he heard his son's voice crying for help. Immediately he cried out and he screamed, Armand! Armand! recognized his son's voice and back came the words dad I told them I told the rest of them that my daddy told me that he would never leave me I told them you hold on my daddy's coming and they pulled those kids out of that rubble all because his whole classmates saved. All because of the heart of one father who made a promise. And he said, I don't care what it takes or how long it takes me to fight through to get to where you are. I will fulfill on my promise. Everybody said, go home. Everybody said, it's over. I'm talking to somebody on the sound of my voice. You've been told it's over. You've been told it's finished. You've been told, give up. God ain't coming through for you. God ain't going to do that for you. God's not, God don't do that no more. God, God don't, don't, haven't you heard about so-and-so? She didn't make it. Haven't you heard about brother so-and-so? Look what happened to them. But I'm telling you, 
My faith is not predestined or predicated on somebody else's experience. My faith is on that word right there from my father who made a promise to me. I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings, but, but it doesn't really matter what you tell me. You can say, Brother Winslow, don't preach that because I know somebody that preached that and it didn't work out. It doesn't change. My father promised me that he would come through for me. And I've come to preach to somebody. He is still the God of your faith. If you got enough faith to lift up your voice, if you got enough faith to step out in just a few moments and, and, and come to this altar, or if you want to stay where you are, I promise you something's going to take place. Don't come up here just yet. If I can have a few ladies in the church, if it be, can we pray for you, sister? Would that be okay? But the Holy Ghost wants to move right here on this couple here, this family. I want some ladies to go pray for our dear sister right here. Hallelujah. Listen, if you need something from the Lord, I don't believe this is a service just by chance, but I believe God's about to do healing and miracles in this house. Come on, if you need a miracle, would you raise your hands? If you need a miracle in your body, would you raise your hands right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Pray for her. Come on, that's it. God's about to work in her life right now. There is a breakthrough coming right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we just let it stir a little bit? Come on, if you need a miracle in your body and you're willing, I want you to come to the front right now. Come on, would you do that right now? If you need a miracle in your body, I want you to step out if you can. Come on, I've come to tell somebody. It's a season that God's about to turn some things. It's time for a breakthrough. It's time for God to do the thing He's promised you. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come to the front. Come on, if you need a miracle, why don't you step out? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, if you need a breakthrough, why don't you come out right now? Come on, why don't you activate your faith and believe that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ever ask for faith. Come on, he's going to fulfill 
every promise, every promise, he's gonna fulfill it. in the house. Come on, there's deliverance in the house. There's healing in the house. There's breakthrough in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody needs to push. Somebody needs to push. Come on, it's breakthrough time. Come on, it's revival time.
needs to push. Somebody needs to push. This is your day. This is it right here. This is your moment. This is your day for God to deliver you and set you free. Friendship. 
relationship. There's no amount of money. There's no car that I would want to lose my soul over it. I'm giving him everything I got. to go ahead and stop but I I, I I can't I can't sense a release I, I just think that that some of us are we, we've we've believed we believed what the enemy has told us for so long we we don't realize how close we are how close we are to God doing something. You say, oh, Brother Winslow, you, you're just trying to get me to do something. No, no, no. Could it be that the ball is in your court? Before I turn this over, listen, if you're praying in the Holy Ghost, don't stop praying the Holy Ghost. There's nothing better I'm going to say than what you're doing there. But if you can, I want you to look up here for just a moment. Could it be that God is waiting on you to respond? You say, but preacher, oh, that's just that Pentecostal stuff. Listen to me now. The Bible existed before there ever was Pentecostals. Before apostolics, Baptists, Catholics, before any of us. The Word of God was there before. John tells us that. It's not a Pentecostal thing. Don't let the devil lie to you and think we worship because we're Pentecostal. 
We worship because the Word of God has declared us to worship. But God is a God. I'm going to leave you with this. God is a God of you do, I'll do. I just keep feeling that in my spirit. And I'm wondering if the reason some of us haven't had that breakthrough is because God is waiting on you. You say, but I'm here. I came to church. But see, everybody's response is different. If you get out and run the aisles because I run the aisles, and that's not what God's asking you to do, then you're just running the aisles. If you clap your hands because I clap my hands, and that's good to clap your hands. The Bible declares us to do that. So I'm not asking you to respond a way that I respond or your neighbor responds. But what I am asking you to do is that when God moves upon you, that you respond how you feel that God is pulling you and drawing you to respond. I'll leave you with two stories in the Word of God. And I'm, I'm trying to close, but I just, it, it's, it's here. It's here. Are you okay with me? Because I really feel a struggle, Pastor, right here. That, that there are some people that, that they're waiting on God to do something. I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. And I'm not trying, if that's you, please, please do not under, please don't misunderstand me. I'm one of the kindest people in the world. Don't misunderstand me. But if we're not careful, we'll get stuck in the rut of I'm waiting on God. Now, there is a season to wait on God. But there's a danger in being there too long when God's already said, I'm waiting on you. When Jesus went to where Lazarus was, Jesus does something that I understand it, but it puzzled me forever. Because he gets to the tomb. And when he stands there, the Bible declares that Jesus had all power in heaven and in earth. And he had the power to bring Lazarus back from the dead. But there's something very powerful you have to understand about the supernatural that's found in the story of Lazarus. When Jesus is standing there, he does something that always puzzled me. He tells them, you move the stone. Now you got to understand, Jesus is the one who created the stone. But yet he sits here with all power in heaven and earth. But he looks at them and says, I will not. I know he didn't say those words, but you, you get it. I'm not doing anything until you do something. Because the supernatural in faith is always a you do, I do thing. Always. And he looks at them and he says, remove the stone. The Bible says they went in and they moved the stone. And then we like that part when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. We love the part where Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. We preach the parts where Jesus says, remove the grave clothes because he's still working on us. We love that. We get caught up in that. We don't like that first part there. Before we can ever experience anything that God has for us, there, there, there is a part we play. 
us apart. And some of us, we're, we're holding back when God says, I want you to respond. The second story is with Peter in the boat. Peter says, if that is you, Lord, bid me to come to you. And you know what Jesus says? Okay, stay there. I'm coming to you. Hold on, because I'm big and bad. I got all power in heaven. You're struggling. You're going through some things, so I'm, I'm going to come to you. The Bible never says that Jesus came to him until Peter stepped out and came to him. And as he walked, the Bible says the storm came and he turned and he looked and he began to sink. Can I tell you why he sank? Because he forgot the word. He forgot the word, come. If you'll hold on to everything God's promised you, no matter how bad it gets, no matter what it looks like, and if you'll take a step of faith and say, the word of God has promised me my healing and my miracle, I'm going to do something. Listen, you've got to do something you've never done before to receive something you've never had before. Oh, you're just trying to get me to shout. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. I've seen people that would sit with their arms crossed, Pastor, and would it move? Would move. We're preaching at a place, and they, man, had a shriveled up arm. And you could tell he was hurting something, maybe a stroke or something. And, man, they were praying for him, talking in tongues. I mean, I've never heard talking in tongues like that. Spitting and screaming and shaking him. And, man, they wanted it so bad. And I walked over to pray for him. And the Holy Ghost said, don't you lay a hand on him. I never had that happen before. And never since. Only time. The Holy Ghost said, don't you pray for him. And I said, oh, God, please let that be you. Because if not, I'm in serious trouble. I need an altar. The Holy Ghost said, don't you lay a hand. I mean, I was walking to him. And I said, my God, if they can't get it done, I'm just going to get it done. And I lifted my hand. And I went to lay hands on him. My God, if he was going to get healed or I was going to put him in the hospital, we're going to lay hands on him. And God said, don't you put a hand on him. Whoop. I stepped back. I said, okay, Lord, what you doing? You're scaring me now. God said, don't you lay a finger on him. Don't you pray one prayer for his miracle. Now, folks, I ain't never heard God tell me that, and never since. And God said, he doesn't want it. <laughs> I don't know how you deal with that. I thought, oh, Jesus, please be you. Because I want this man healed real bad. I want to get on Facebook, you know, and tell somebody. The lame walk today, right? God said, he don't want it. I looked at him, and sure enough, he's... God didn't tell me why he didn't want it, and I don't really care. But God said he doesn't want it. Don't you lay hand. I'm going to tell somebody right now, you ain't got God in no corner. 
just because we're apostolic don't mean we got God like on our thumb and we're going to press when we want and, and, and God's going to move and jump when we want to. It ain't like that, folks. I'm telling you, if the Jews, I, I'm preaching another message. I'm so sorry. You're getting two for the price of one. The Jews were the apple of his eye. I'm trying to help somebody right now because I'm telling you, I feel you right now and you're pulling me. And I can feel it in the spirit right now. And I can feel somebody pulling me right now. You're not releasing. You're not letting go. And I can feel that if you don't let go, you're going to miss it. I'm not talking about just because I'm here. I'm talking about from days on in, from now on, you're going to miss out on what God's doing around here if you don't release and let go and let God do what he wants to do. The Jews were the apple of his eye, and yet he bypassed them and came to you and I, the Gentiles. Turn to someone and say, you didn't know you were a Gentile, did you? The reason you got the Holy Ghost is because those Jews didn't want it. (laughs) Because God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on somebody. I'm going to give them, but they don't want it. They rejected it. He didn't force it on them. He said, I will go into the house that wants it. And church, if you don't want to move a God, he'll find a church in this city that wants it. He ain't going to stay in heaven and go, well, I guess I guess living hope don't want it. I'll just wait till that he'll find a church that wants to move a God. He'll find a people that want a miracle. But if you got enough faith to say, I'm going to get this, I don't care if I shout and knock you over. I'm going to shout. I don't care if they, if they have to kick me out of church because they're going to lock it down. I'll pray, in the, and I'll pray in the parking lot. I ain't leaving until I get what I... Can you imagine what would happen to your pastor if he goes, my God, they won't leave. He'll go eat and come back like a place I preached at one time. Hallelujah. All right, lift your hands. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to tell you what. There is tremendous faith in this church, I'm telling you, my God, I'm going to have to just stop. There's so much faith in this church. I mean, it's like I'm a kid in a candy store. It is so much faith in here. It's scary. If you could only tap into what I'm feeling right now, I'm going to have to stop. Pastor, you're going to have to push me over. Amen. Raise your hands right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close it and give it to your pastor. I'm telling you, there is so much Holy Ghost in here. There is so much faith in here. You watch what God's going to do in this church. I'm telling you, my God. Wow. Come on. One more time. Lift up your hands. I'm telling you, some of y'all going to get your miracle on the way home. Some of y'all going to go to your doctor and they're going to say, I don't see anything. (laughs) Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Some of y'all going to get a phone call this week. Going to change everything. Some of y'all going to get that bonus you've been praying about. Going to change everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, you're the people of the name. You're the people of the name. In the name of Jesus Christ, let there be such a a shifting in the spirit. Let there... There is coming a great shifting to this church. I see it now. 
God's getting ready to shift this church. There's something happening. I can see it in the Holy Ghost. It's like the ground has been dry and it's been cracked and there's water breaking forth through the dryness and God's getting ready to send some rain. God's get, There's a shifting in the Holy Ghost. Get ready, church. I feel a shifting coming. I don't know what that means, but, but I feel like God's getting ready to shift some things in this church. And if I was you, I'd jump on board and say, God, do whatever you want to do. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way. Ha. Pastor. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. One last time before we dismiss, could you bow your heads with me? Somebody in this building, God is, God is reaching. I, I do believe this is a day of destiny. I, I believe that more today than I have, do for every, and I believe that for every Sunday, but specifically today. God, I believe heaven has circled this day on the calendar with living hope. Kind of that location pin is pushed down at Great Mills, Maryland, right here at Chancellor's Run Road. There's divine destiny in this house. God is one more time reaching. And here, here's what I want you to, to hear, and then we're going to pray and dismiss. The prodigal son was in the pig pen. Job got to where he was by being righteous prodigal son got to where he was by being unrighteous, by being prideful and wanting what entitlement is what, he, what got him there. He wasted everything, the Bible says, on riotous living. But he found himself in a similar location to Job. But the Bible says that in that place, the prodigal son looked around him at what, what was surrounding him, the, the result of years of terrible living. But he made a statement. He said, I will arise and go back to my father's house. And from that moment, everything began to change. From that moment, whether you're a Job or you're the prodigal son, the rest of your life does not have to be what it was before. God is about to shift things like the preacher just said. But somebody, you've got to make the statement and say, I'm going back to dad's house. And the Bible said while he was still a long way off, the father came. You don't have to get it all figured out. God's not asking you to get perfect. God's asking you simply today, make a statement and make a step. Make a statement right now. It's time for me to get right. It's time for me to get back to Father's house. It's time for me to get back to the Father's house. It's time for me to renew my faith in the Lord. It's time for me to get out of this life that I've been living and make my way back to the Father's house. I want you to know you make one step and Dad is looking. Dad's been waiting a long time for this. And when he got back to Father's house, Dad didn't say, hey, I already gave you your part. No, Dad said, let's kill the fatted calf. Let's put the ring of inheritance on the hand of this son. I'm not going to hold over your head what you've done. I'm going to bless you with everything I planned on blessing with you. I haven't changed my mind about how I feel about you. I've just been waiting on you to get miserable with the way you've been living. So I want us to pray in dismissal, whether you're Job today or whether you're the prodigal son. And we probably all fall somewhere in between. Either the most righteous man, perfect, or the most despicable man who 
took his dad's inheritance and wasted it all, we probably all fall somewhere in between those two spectrums. But the good news is it doesn't have to end this way. There's an after that. Lord, I pray for everybody in this building today. I pray for the Jobs that might be in this house today. The last several years of their life have just been literally a living hell. One thing after another, wondering why, if I've tried to be righteous, why is it the way it is? But they haven't sinned against God. They have not sinned if their words against God. Or it may be the prodigal son who's lived like the devil. And they know why life is a hell, because they've lived like the devil. But it doesn't matter. Because God is not looking to hold that over their head. He's simply saying, Job, if you're ready to pray for your enemies, I'm ready to bless you. Prodigal son, if you're ready to rise up from your place in the pig pen, I'm ready to bless you. I've got a fatted calf that is waiting. I've got 140 more years ready. I've got an after this that you can't even imagine. But the next move is up to you. Hallelujah. So that we're going to end it with that. We're going to end it with a prayer of what is your next move going to be? What is your next move going to be? God is waiting. He's, the Father is ready. He's waiting. He's looking out the window. I believe he's standing on the porch, maybe that spyglass in his hand, just looking for a sign, a little dust cloud on the horizon so I can run to my son. But I've got to wait until he's ready to come home. In Jesus' name I pray, Lord, every person in this building is here for a reason today. God, you're about to raise up an army in this last day. You're about to raise up a church. End time revival is on the horizon. Greater things than happen in the book of Acts are going to happen. And you're looking for an apostle Paul. You're looking for an apostle Peter. You're looking for a John. You're looking for men and women that you can operate through. And today, God, you have brought us together for such a time as this. Somebody in their heart right now, if they would just simply say, I will arise. I'm not proud of how I got here, but I will arise. I will arise and go back to my father's house. Come on, in the, is that you right now? Are you willing to say that? I will arise. It's time. It's time for me to get back to dad's house. It's time for me to get right with God. I want you to pray for your neighbor right now before we dismiss and we're going to let you go home. But God, this is not just an ordinary altar call today. This isn't an ordinary Sunday service. This is divine destiny being imparted to a hungry people. Come on, in the name of Jesus, if you've been waiting all your life, if, if you've been waiting for an anointing, this is your day. If you've been waiting on God to place upon you divine unction, this is your day. You don't have to wait another day for it. You've been positioned. God has been bringing, just like he brought the ram up the other side of the mountain. God has been working some things to get this day orchestrated. This is a divine day. This is a day of divine destiny, and God is pouring out anointing in this building right now. Come on, somebody get a hold of the after this. Somebody get a hold of after this. Stop lamenting what is and get a hold of after this. Stop complaining about what you've got left and start getting excited about what's coming your way. Get excited about after this. It's coming, living hope. Everything that's been prophesied, it's coming. He is not a God that he would lie. Every word that he has spoken, he is going to bring to pass. Come on, prodigal son, get right, get right. God's not finished with you. Come on, Saul, you might be in this building today, but God's going to transform you into the greatest apostle that the church has ever seen. It's time. You know it's time. Stop resisting and respond to what God is speaking. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say, after this. 
Come on, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, get ready for after this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, the enemy's been working really hard to paint a picture that it's over. It ain't over. After this. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I, I would like to say, if you're here today and you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, there's no greater way to close the door on yesterday and move into the after this than baptism. The Bible says we are buried with Christ in baptism. The like figure which doth now also save us. Baptism. It's where the old nature is buried. We rise to walk in newness of life. Amen? It's a, it's, it's, it's a statement of a lot of things. It's an expression of faith and belief that my hands is better off, my life is better off in his hands than it is in mine. So let me ask before we leave, is there anybody here today that has not been baptized in Jesus' name? Today is your day. I see a hand back there. Amen. All right. Mom and dad, is that good? All right. All right. I, I love it. I, I, when the child, the faith of a, of a, and he's not a child, he's a young man, but that, that faith. If mom and dad are good with that, we'll do it. We'll get him baptized right now. Anybody else? Anybody else today? Awesome. We're going to get the whole family baptized today. Amen. Hey, I'm just going to tell you, there's a, Everybody in here, there's a destiny, but this family, there's a divine destiny upon this family. There is. There's a divine destiny on this family. Amen. Amen. All right, if I can get our baptismal team, get ready. We're going to baptize these, and if anybody else would like to come and see me, we'll baptize you. Any guests here today, any first-time guests, my wife and I would love to have just a moment. All right, just about two or three minutes of your time. That last uh, middle door in the back, we have some refreshments set up for you. My wife and I will take about two minutes of your time. Amen. If you, if you will, stick around. Let's celebrate these baptisms together. If you need to go, God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen. What a great day. Thank you, Brother Winslow. Thank you for that ministry today. God bless you. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So